Hi, everybody. My name is Thomas. I'm Amber. And this is So What Happens Next, a show where at least one of us watches a movie for the first time, but not before trying to guess what it's about. Then we watch it, and then we give you our first impressions and what we maybe got right, maybe got wrong, some laughs, and some pretty great discussion about some of these movies in between. This week, we're doing one of my all-time favorites, Seven Samurai, a film by Akira Kurosawa from 1954. Right. So, Amber, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. I'm just, you know, this whole quarantine thing has just gone on for too long. But, you know, we're hanging in there. We got our movies to watch. We've got podcast episodes to do. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's I'm, all worth it in the end. <laughs> I'm really hoping that we get some reprieve from this. I mean, I'm hoping that by the time this episode comes out, it's maybe over. But at this rate, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. That all being said, this is a great, a great movie to watch, I think, in quarantine, if for any reason, because it's like three hours long. Um, yeah, so you have the time. We all have the time. We Unless all you're working. If you are working, like, I totally feel you. I'm still working. Yeah, I'm working from home, but Amber here has been deemed essential, so. <laughs> yeah, so anyone that's an essential worker, I feel you, and hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. Yeah. Definitely. But if you're not and you got some time and you want to listen to a podcast and maybe enjoy a cool movie in between, this is definitely one to kill some time. So as always, Amber, I got five things up on the board for what this movie is about. All right. Hit me. All right. So this is not our first rodeo with this director, but it is a film by Akira Kurosawa. So if you've listened to our previous episode on the movie Ran, which is a great and arguably equally as long movie by that director this is sort of the movie that i mean you know there are oscar considerations for this guy this 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 is like his movie if ran is like his magnum opus this is the movie that let that happen um so it's a film by akira kurosawa it involves some like poor broke ass samurai so these aren't like big warrior guys they're just like they might as well be hobos with swords okay um, the movie, like I said, is over three hours long, so you got plenty of time to make up whatever you want to happen in this movie. It's got bandits, and it revolves around one little village. So those are your five things. What do you think this movie might be about? I think this movie might be about, like, seven samurai that decide to defend this little village that they know nothing about against possibly the empire and so i don't know if they're being taken over by you know a neighboring or not neighboring empire but someone who's kind of coming in to invade them um from like a different country or something and they're like oh we gotta you know help these people because you know they're poor and their own i guess like their own king or whomever is not going to come and save them hmm. 
because they're, you know, basically peasants. So they're, you know, lesser than. But I definitely feel like it's going to revolve around their... I definitely feel like it's going to revolve around their relationship with between each other. And kind of like how, you know, they're all friends, they're all buddies, they've known each other for a while. Hmm. Maybe you go a little bit into each person's backstory and then you have the climax where it's like this big fight against them in some army. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely going to be like, you know, maybe like a lot of them or just a few of them that die as a result. Okay. I mean, that, that's... Just judging from, yeah. you know, the previous uh, movie that we had seen... Um, to where a lot of like you know the major characters they died right yeah well yeah you're not wrong Rand yeah. definitely has its share of tragedy and not just like the major characters but like you know the fight scenes with like the right. army just going at it it's like there was a lot of death okay no that's an interesting like that's a that's a, that's a cool take on this movie I mean I'll admit straight up like you're right and you're wrong about some things okay. um, I think you're gonna be I think you'll be pleasantly surprised um, obviously, like I've said already, I've seen this movie. Um, anecdotally, I think this movie was a movie we watched over the course of three hours at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning in college <laughs> or something like that. A friend just put it on. And if you're listening, thank you for introducing me to this movie. I am happy to say I own it now and am just loving the hell out of it. But it is long. But it's one of those ones where I just remember sitting there, eyes open, like, the whole three hours going i gotta see how this goes it's similar to ran i'm like i gotta see how this goes and it's one of those movies that pulls you in and keeps you held on and it, it even came out in like 1954 like this isn't like a new movie by any means mm-hmm. but i will also say that this movie is so classic that you know a western that is equally as famous has come out has been remade that is like the same or similar plot and it's one of these things where it's just like this movie had a very long lasting effect I think on pop culture and movies in general to where it's it's in television series whether it's a kids show an adult show whatever like this plot has been used so many times and it's great and I think every time it happens it's pretty enjoyable like those ha- happen to be some of the favorite episodes of shows of mine and things like that has there been a remake done on this I don't know if there's been a remake done on this okay I thought there was but there might have been I hope there's not <laughs> Um, it's probably like the last samurai I'm thinking of, which has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think that's Tom Cruise okay. pretending to be a samurai or something. I don't know. <laughs> this one is way better. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen The Last Samurai, but I would bet any money that Seven Samurai yeah. greatly out, outweighs. Yeah, it just that. like slashes it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it cuts it in no twain. <laughs> But yeah, so if you guys give us a couple minutes here, we're going to go ahead and watch the trailer for this movie, and then we're going to give you some final thoughts before we dive on in. All right. What did you think, Amber? That was pretty intense. Yeah? Yeah. I'm excited to see those fight scenes. I bet, like, he really did make them, like, fight in the rain and mud. Oh, yeah. No, the trailer... So if, if you haven't seen the trailer for this movie, which I really wouldn't be surprised if you haven't, it's very old-timey, but it's all in Japanese, and it's kind of trying to go, like, you know, the movie's got action, it's got fighting, it's got heroism, it's got romance, and it's got all this <laughs> crazy stuff, but it's, like, yeah, in Japanese. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, same here. It kind of has that, like, 
oh yeah, we're, you know, it's got this, it's got that. Who is Kane? In this movie, it's like, who are these seven men? Yeah, and it introduces, like, the actors to the viewers, and it's pretty nice. Who I swear, I'll have to check it, but I'm pretty sure, like, the the first guy that's introduced, I'm pretty sure he's in the original Godzilla. Yeah. I think he plays... He does look familiar. Um, I think he plays the female lead's father who wants her to marry Dr. Yeah, Sozo. I remember that one. I'm pretty sure that's who he is. I'm going to check it while we watch it, but I'm like 70% sure that's him. Yeah. Um, But it almost seems like I'm mostly right about my prediction for this film. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit you're, you're on target somewhat. Like, there's some <laughs> things you did get wrong, but yeah. like... <laughs> You're you're more or less on target for it, and I I think you're gonna like this movie. Like you know, I think you know if you liked Ran, even just from an artistic perspective, you'll really like this one. And I mean, one of the things that Ran really had going for it was it was in color, and this movie's not. Yeah. So for a modern audience, this movie has to play like double effort. I feel like to really get you engaged in it, yeah. you know, because I don't, you know, I've never. We've all grown up with colored television colored movies we didn't we yeah. black and white was like that weird novelty thing that just kind of yeah stuck around so after seeing the trailer though any final thoughts before we dive into the movie not really just ready to go ahead and see it all right see what it's all about yeah same here i'm really ready to rewatch this movie it's been a long time so i'm definitely happy to watch it not at three o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was <laughs> So, join us, if you will, as we dive right into Seven Samurai. We are back, everybody. So, what'd you think? So, here's the deal. I liked Ran a lot more. And maybe it was just because I was already familiar with the story of King Lear. And it was also in color, too. So, it really helped with, like, the vibrancy of, like, the country. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of good shots that they had in Ran. But... In this film, I feel like it was a lot more like a drama film. Right. And so there was a lot of people talking, you know, back and forth. And then a lot of, of course, like politics going on that you have between like the bandits and then the villagers and then even the samurais. And so there's kind of like this hierarchy that they don't really go into detail of, but it's there. Because you have people that are like, oh, like, I'm just a poor farmer and I wish I was like a samurai. I, wow, I did not expect, like, because in my opinion, like, it, they're very close, but I just like this movie better. Okay. Because I felt like with Ran, there's a lot, I mean, it's so difficult to get into this movie because it, it is over three hours long. I mean, even with, if you cut the intermission, it's in the middle of this movie because it's, you know, back yeah. from the days and where that, that happened. It is also long. And maybe the other movie was long, too. I don't remember the exact... It's not as long length. as this. 
Okay. Even without the intermission, I don't believe it's this long. Yeah. Um, I think it's upwards of two hours. <laughs> this the ran was upwards of two hours, but this one was definitely like I mean, this was I think three and a half hours long. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot, but I guess to me, this movie, nothing that happens in it is wasted time to me. So like that. Like with Ran or with, I mean, all movies nowadays, I mean, any, a period. I mean, even Citizen Kane had this. Was there yeah. were scenes where it's like, if you cut it, who cares? You yeah. Know, you don't necessarily have to cut it. I'm not like saying Like there's cut this it. little bit that they do something, they say something, and then it's just that. Right. Yeah. And it's not so much that it's like they're useless or there's in, in modern movies or just other movies in general, like scenes that don't need to be there. Why they put that there? They should have cut it. It's just that in this movie, every single scene does something to the characters or the plot or just all of it. Um, I mean, take for instance, like you have this romance between, uh, you know, the younger samurai and then uh, a local farm girl. And it like that at first, you're kind of like, does this really need to be here? I guess we're just playing a romantic angle, but by the end of it, it has an impact because it's sort of what they used to show that, yeah, you know, spoilers for this movie, even though we kind of won, we kind of lost. Like, we didn't actually win anything here. These guys, these farmers did. Yeah. But um, we can jump into the movie a little bit just for you guys listening. So this movie is very, very long, as we talked about. It happened to be this... um, if you've seen the movie The Magnificent Seven from 1960, or I guess they remade it, I think, in 2016, mm-hmm. this is the movie that inspired that. Same exact deal. I mean, I've never, I've never seen The Magnificent Seven, but I know that it's the same movie, just with cowboys instead of samurai. Yeah. So you have, like, these seven cowboys help a town defend them from bandits or whatever, right? Um, but this is where that started. So this inspired that. And I mean, one of the big things, too, is if you haven't seen Magnificent Seven, but you happen to have seen a little movie by Disney and Pixar called A Bug's Life, then you also understand the plot of this movie. <laughs> As we sort of kept noting throughout this one, um, A Bug's Life is basically seven samurai with bugs. The bandits are the grasshoppers, yep. the ants are the farmers. Yep, and the seven samurai are the circus folk. Though, <laughs> in that movie, they're not actually warriors, but they are, like, in, in this one, they are totally samurai. Like, they're not really faking it. I mean, one of them is, but not, like, to a degree where he's useless. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, this movie is about a group of farmers that are being periodically... Uh, harassed by these bandits yeah, who are or taking raided their food. by these bandits yeah and um the bandits say like okay like we're coming we're gonna come to your village we're gonna take everything because you don't have anything right now and they're like if you take everything we will literally die we have no food and they're just like too fucking bad we're gonna do it anyway we'll see you in a little while so the farmer's like shit you know we gotta we gotta get together and and, and figure something out because we gotta fight these guys back and so a small group of them led by this um, guy, I believe his name is Rikichi. He and his compatriots go to like the town, kind of like they do in Bugs Life. And they go and they find some sam- They're trying to get some samurai together. But these guys are broke as hell. So all they can really offer them is like food and a place to stay. So they sort of get these like seven Ronin-esque samurai together. Um, 
you know, like, or well, six samurai and a dude. Um, <laughs> uh, like his name is Kikuchio, um, who is like a guy pretending to be a samurai, basically. But, you know, he just wants to have the glory and all that. They get them together to help defend their town. And, you know, the movie is basically, you're see, I mean, you see it in so many television shows and movies and whatnot. It's, it's the samurai not just defending their town, but also like, hey, we're going to teach you guys how to fight because we can't do this alone. We're going to like set up traps. We're going to set up like barricades and all this other shit. We're going to work together and we're going to make this happen. And I think this movie, when you try to take it at like an action movie kind of type thing is you know it's it's boring at that point but when you look at this as like i don't know i guess to me this movie kind of hits sort of like you're looking at like people right like i'm looking at different aspects of just what it is to be a person and i mean you have these people afraid and then you get to see them really happy you get to see them hyped up you get to see them really sad in love angry i mean there's so much in this movie that plays with emotion and Rand totally did this too i mean Props to Kurosawa because, like, he just is killing it with portraying, like, yes. human emotion. I think emotion. in Rand, there was a lot more grief and sadness over losing a kingdom and then also losing a son or multiple sons. Whereas in this case, this movie was more, at least in the beginning, it was definitely sadness because they couldn't do anything about their situation. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in the beginning, they go to the old man, who's kind of like this um, person like, they go to. He's the village for, elder. Yeah, yeah, he's the village elder. And they ask for his advice as to what to do about this bandit issue. And he says, well, this other village who had the same issue, they hired a bunch of samurais, but because we're so poor... He's like, you can only bribe them with food. So I yeah. suggest you go get hungry samurai. Yeah. Which and they kind of do. I mean, one yeah, of them, he totally is. Like, he basically shows up to someone's house. He's like, if you feed me, I'll chop wood and stuff for you. And, like, that's just what he does. Yeah. But there was that one scene with Rikuchi and the other the timid old man who yeah. was crying you know the entire yeah. time Monza, and I think. he had he was supposed to be um maybe this was later on but he was supposed to be taking care of like this pot of rice that they had as like mm. a bargaining chip and he ends up losing it yeah and they just like go at it like the other guy is yelling at him and he's crying he's just like this is all that we have Mm -hmm. and like we would have to go back to the village just to get more and i love that scene because it it one it shows like two really dramatic sides of emotion right like almost hyperbolically so like you have on the one hand like everybody is upset that they have to do this right but on the one hand, you have um, well, you have our sort of main farmer guy, Rikuchio, whatever. The names are really tough in this movie to follow for people who aren't Japanese, I think. Um, but at least for me, I'm not going to put that on everybody. But you have our kind of main farmer who he is livid. Like he is borderline beating the shit out of this uh, his, his, his partner here. And this other guy is like in tears. Like he's in tears when he walks in the room. And you get this... In an objective way, you get this, like, portrayal of the pathetic, right? Like, not just not just the other guy crying. I don't mean this in, like, a derogatory way or anything. But you get, like, he's... Before anybody even walks in, he's already crying. 
And he's just sitting there like, oh my God, this sucks. Like everything's ruined. And instead of like doing anything about it, he just is sitting there crying. And then you get kind of our main farmer. And that's how they all were in the beginning, you know, just sitting in a circle, um, crying and huddling together. And a few of them were just like, we might as well kill ourselves because there's nothing we can do about it. Whereas there's maybe a few people who are just like, we need to, you know, do something about this. And I like, I mean, that scene with the rice, though, ends in such a, it ends in such a anti-foreshadowing way in kind of a strange manner. Because it's like, it ends with him yelling at our timid farmer and the timid farmer proceeding to just pick up each grain of rice one by one by one. And the, I mean, the shot's great because it's like from the floor and you just see his hand picking up each individual grain, which you could argue is like kind of a futile effort. Like, when you clean up... Like, you're trying to save this rice to continue to eat it. It's on the dirty floor. The only way you're going to get it is to pick it up piece by piece by piece. And there's hundreds, a thousand grains of rice on the ground. It's ultimately, like, a futile effort. I mean, you could do it, but how much time, how much energy is it going to take, and is it worth it? And I think that shot alone really emulates this is how they feel, whether they're angry or they're sad or whatever. They feel like we're doing all this work and is it going to even be worth it? You know, are these samurai going to actually help us? Are we going to get any samurai to come? But, you know, they do. Otherwise, there's not a movie. They have to get at least seven of them. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it ultimately works. They get enough guys and they go back. And um, I mean, we don't need to get into every single introduction of the samurai. But I think the two that really stick out to me are like the silent samurai when he fights the guy with the sticks and then ultimately yes. kills him. That was cool. Like that was just such a cool scene. He doesn't want to kill this guy. This guy's all up in his face. But once you take that sword out, mm-hmm, it's on and he takes the big guy, takes his sword out and in one move he's dead. And there <laughs> our sort of head guy here who is Takeshi Shimura, which probably is a name that doesn't mean a lot to really anyone. I mean, I know the name alone is it's not much to recognize for myself even, But he actually is in, if you're like a fan like me of these movies, he's in a ton of the Godzilla movies, including the original one. He plays the father in the original Godzilla movie, which I thought so. This movie also stars Toshiro Mifune, who, if you've seen other Kurosawa films, he is Yojimbo in that movie. He is, you know, he's sort of our not samurai samurai. Takashi Shimura's character is named Kambe, and he, he sort of... Like, the way they introduce him is he just fakes being a monk to save a child and, like, comes in, like, kills a burglar in, like, nothing time and then walks out and everything's fine. And it just, the way they introduce these characters is great because they do it, again, props to Kurosawa because he's introducing these characters in, like, this is who they are. With the exception, I think, of Kikuchio, Mifune's character, because it's sort of like he's the one that really develops, um, and he gets a nice, I mean, this, this movie is so like, you know, if someone told me like pick between Citizen Kane or this movie, it's like greatest movie of all time. <laughs> I might have to say this one just because the way, at least as far as like developing the characters go is there's so much going on. I mean, you have Kikuchio being paralleled with Kambe's young student that kind of comes on board and you have sort of both of them wanting the same thing, but one of them is a refined you know, upper crust samurai child and the other one is like a former farmer faking his way to the top. Mm-hmm. 
and you just get like such a dynamic across the board of like these parallels and these character foils and it's great um and this movie also has some like cool action i mean i think the final sequence once it starts raining is pretty awesome like yeah oh man like when people start dying (laughs) when the when the samurai start dying yeah it starts getting heavy um yeah, I mean, basically, like we said, the, the majority of the movie, though, it's three and a half hours long. I hope it doesn't turn you off of it. But the movie is basically watching these people get the village together, deal with some of the villagers' concerns. Like, one guy's concerned his, that he's, his daughter's going to get raped. And it mm-hmm. sort of scares everybody because they're yeah. like, oh, shit, samurai are known for that. So he has his daughter, like, cut her hair. He forces her, his daughter to, like, cut her hair. Well, he cuts it for her, I think. Yeah, I think he, like, pins her down. He and- takes some shears and... Yeah. Um, and has her pretend to be a boy. And, like, it's like, don't you go near them samurai, who ultimately she ends up being the love interest of the young student samurai. And, it, and even that, it falls apart. Like, this movie has such a real ending to me. And I think that's where it wins over Ran. Because Ran just, it felt like at the end of that movie, it just had to have that shitty ending and you know it, it's sort of a take on king lear right so it has to but it's everything's fine sort of you know everything they still gotta like there's like war. a sliver of hope right at the end when he's with his reunited with his son and then yes <laughs> <laughs> then it's gone it's taken away and, and in this it's very like they won spoilers <laughs> <laughs> they won but they didn't because they the villagers won because they were able to drive the bandits away but for the samurai they've lost four people Mm -hmm. no kambe says it at the best i think at the end he says victory belongs to the peasants not to us um i can only hope that's an accurate translation And even with the love interests they don't end up getting together exactly everything is such a and it's so great the way it's done right because like all the farmers are happily farming again i mean they're playing music they're all jiving to it and um the love and so to rewind a little bit the young samurai student and the love interest shino get it on because they think they're gonna die it's very much a i don't want to die a virgin (laughs) uh, moment and you know they do it but you know this is like feudal japan this is a big no no you don't do this and father catches them right after they're done and it is it's uncomfortable to watch i mean it is the way he treats her as if she's not a person but she's just oh yeah i mean she's like stops being his daughter in that moment yes and it's so because he's calling her a slut he's calling her a whore he's calling her all kinds of just horrible things it takes the entire village almost and you know the samurai to be like calm down right like you need to stop this it's it's brutal and i think it's done and it almost really well i also wanted to touch on the villagers behavior and how it was kind of barbaric yeah let's dive into it the villagers got a lot of problems (laughs) like i almost did not like them like i was just like do we really need to save these people and that's a great point acting because yes there were a few of them that actually went out and did something about it but i guess like towards the middle of the no actually towards the end so when the bandits set fire to the houses oh to the houses across the bridge or whatever yeah 
and you have that old man that is refusing yep. to leave. He's like, I'm going to, he's already accepted everybody it. Everybody else is, yeah, he's already accepted it. But everybody else, including his family, is like, we need to go get him. And of course, they sacrifice their lives with the exception of one baby who makes it out. And I'm just kind of like, they only care. It seems like they only care about themselves because they kind of scatter like cockroaches. And And maybe that's what he was trying to get at because they every time something bad happened, they all freaked out and they just started scattering. And there was no uniform like motion to it they were just like mm-hmm. oh my gosh and you Whereas see that they had so to have much. someone yeah. be like hey guys this is what we're doing go back inside the bandits are here mm-hmm. and you see that a lot throughout the movie i mean you have that scene that you talked about you have another scene where i think there's three there's so not everybody who lives in the village lives like on the same side of the river or whatever and the three people that ultimately get their houses burned down who live on the other side of the river at some point are like, fuck this. We're going to protect our own house. Fuck you guys. Like, cause they're basically saying the same way I say, everyone has to stay here. We, we cannot defend both the rivers too defensible. We can't defend that side. So you got to hang here. And they're like, fuck that shit. We're not doing that. And that causes one of the samurai. To well, it ca- yeah, it causes our main killed. head samurai to like really come down on them. And I mean, like part of me was like, good. Because everybody's, you know, holding, they, they throw their spears to the ground. They basically say, fuck you, we're going to do this ourselves. And he pulls out his sword and gets in front of him. And he's like, get back in line right fucking now. And they're just like, yeah, whoa. Like they, they get scared again and mm-hmm. go back. And I think it's it's such a I, I don't even know how to describe it other than this is like. And maybe not cockroaches, but just ants. Well, because, right, you have to have someone that tells you what to do and how to do it and that's how these people were acting the entire film Mm -hmm. um the samurai were the you know well they're like they're like the conscience here they're like the the common sense really yeah it's like they didn't have a conscience they couldn't think for themselves they couldn't think about anything besides like we're hungry we're poor well i think it kind of highlights in a way like and maybe this is it hitting me, but it's 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 it highlights kind of the futility of like individualism in the sense that like I'm gonna do what's best for me, damn everybody else, you know, whatever is good for them. Because I think when you get those scenes that we're talking about here, it's right after these scenes of like victory and hype and everybody is like ready. Like they're they're holding their the villagers, I mean, are like holding their spears and they're like, We can actually do this. And the minute they go, we can do this, is the minute at least a handful of them go, you're right, I can do this. Why do I need all of you? And they go to do their own shit. And it's such a, it's such a, I think the point, I would like to think the point that that Kurosawa was trying to put across in that sense is you gotta, you are part of a group, which if I understand correctly, is kind of a very cultural thing in Japan. Like, you are part of a group. You have to help the group. And yes, you can do this. And that's great. Like, it's better to do it as a whole than separate. And the minute you start just doing it for yourself is the minute that you might not be able to do it anymore. Like, you can do so many things because the group is working together. The minute you decide to stop is the minute it doesn't really work anymore. You know, you're not Superman running around with a spear able to kill everybody. The only reason you were able to do that was because the samurai taught you how to do it and you have a team of villagers behind you. You can you're more than welcome to go defend your village house by yourself, but we also need you. And you 
said you were going to help. So, like, you got to own up to that. Like, you can't put that kind of dishonor on everybody and just bail. Because you will die and will lose people and it doesn't help anybody. And I like that because it's, I don't know, I think today you get a lot of this sense of like, well, who cares what I do or or whatever, you know, I'll do whatever I want to do and and you guys, you know, fuck all everybody, I don't care. If I die, who gives a shit? It's my decision. Or if you guys die, it's not my problem. And it's like, well, what if you die and we die, you know? Um, I'm sure there's lots to say on that note as far as current climate goes, at least while we're recording this. But I mean, I think it's it's such an interesting thing because like um, Citizen Kane, there's a lot to be drawn out of that that's still practical and still like applicable today. I do also want to say on my note of the everything going into its uh, another useful scene, you bring up the, the old man in the house and the only survivor is the little kid, the, ba- the baby. That scene goes perfectly right into Cucuccio's character arc. Because he's holding that kid, and he goes, oh my god, this kid is me. Yes. My house was burned down by by bandits, and I was the only survivor, and my whole family died, and I was stuck alone. And it's just like, holy shit. Like, that goes beyond just this individual versus the group thing, and goes right into some character development. And it's, it's really well done, because you don't really see him break down. You just see him get really mad, really goofy... And in that river in front of the fire, he's just holding a kid crying into the kid's shoulder. And you see that a lot throughout this movie. I mean... You do. Like, futile attempts to save a wife that has become a concubine to these bandits. Even oh, yeah. though she is completely not there and just goes back to the burning hut. And they're telling him, no, it's like, you know, too late. Mm-hmm. Which causes, you know, another member of the party to die. Yep. And... On top of, like, basically, he just kind of drops to his knees, and he's not only mourning for his wife, but he's mourning for that guy. That and he himself, basically I think. got killed. I think he's mourning a little for himself, because he's realizing it's his fault. Yes. Like, he would not have died if he didn't, because that scene goes on a lot longer than shit. Yes. I mean, <laughs> not that it needs to be cut, I just mean it in the sense that he's standing, continually, like, you know, poking the fire. Like, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna go in, and... By that, by the time, I can't remember which samurai it is, <laughs> by the time our samurai gets to him to pull him back, he's not going in. I mean, it's clear at that point, you're not going in. You just can't come to terms with it. Or at the very least, she's already dead. And he gets shot by a musket as a result. And it's just like they carry him as far as they can and he dies. And then that's the first samurai to go. The next one up is because Kikuchio decides I'm going to be a hero and I'm going to go steal their last musket. And he goes and he does. And he's successful. And it's a pretty cool scene. But it's, again, it's such a great way of shooting it because it it's a fun sequence to watch. Is He pretends to be a, a bandit and he sits <laughs> next to the sniper and they're just having a chat. And he goes, yeah, I'll probably take him down. And he's like, wait, what? Oh my God, you're that dude. And then like he chases him down, kills him, takes the... Yeah. Musket runs away, brings all these guys back. Like, they're all chasing him. And mm-hmm. He shoots at them, and they scatter. And then as a result, he abandoned his post, and the only person who was watching it is our kind of really sad farmer who's crying over the rice, who ultimately dies. And so the bandits overrun them for a minute, and a lot of people die. Like, it's a heavy deal, including Gorobe, another samurai. Like, he dies. 
because they have to stop them. And it's all because Kikuchio, again, you have somebody who's like, I'm going to do this selfish act for myself, for me. Fuck all to the group. It doesn't matter. And in their mind, it's like, yeah, okay, you take out their last musket, but at what cost? Like, you're not thinking of everyone. You're thinking of yourself. Yeah. And this movie, I think, does a lot to sort of display that because it's not... Like, I think you bring up a good point with the villagers and how they act. And, like, do they deserve this? I mean, they're killing samurai, for Christ's sake. They are. Like, that scene was pretty... That was... Intense. Because they tell them... They could have used that guy for so many things, and they probably would have had a better outcome. Maybe, maybe not. But the villagers were so ready to just, you know, have that old lady avenge her son's death, which at that point he's been dead for a while. I'm assuming, because he died at the last raid that occurred. Um, But they're just ready to kill this guy. And at some point, like, there's only seven samurai and they can't do anything about it. Well, to me, I was kind of wondering, like, is that a cultural thing? Because everybody, so I was talking a few, a little bit back, but yeah, the scene you're talking about, they capture a, a bandit, one of the scouts, and they want to know where their fort is and shit. Yeah. And, um... Earlier in the movie, you learn of this really elderly woman who has lost her whole family to these bandits. And she's basically alone, blind and dying and stuff. Like, she is so frail and old. And all the villagers, every single one of them is, like, crawling over each other. Like, they want to kill this guy to get revenge. And it's this one bandit who, you know, is a bandit. But, you know, they're, they're putting all the blame of an entire village on this one dude. As if he did it single-handedly. And they hold everybody back, and this little old woman comes in, and she has, like, a, I don't know, rake or pitchfork or something, and she has it, like, raised above her head, and she's really slowly just shuffling along. <laughs> and everybody gets quiet. And it's another powerful scene, because they're like, let it be hers. Yeah. Like, they took literally everything from her. And part of me is kind of like, fine. Like, whatever. that She, of anyone, deserves it. And I'm kind of thinking, like, is this a cultural thing? Like, getting vengeance, renewing your honor, that kind of sort of stereotype people hear about. Because if so, then fine. But they don't let it happen until they get information out of her. What I was talking about is when <clears throat> when Kikuchio finds all the spears and armor and weapons because these farmers have been killing oh, poor samurai yes. who've been coming through their village and taking all their shit and hoarding it. And you see the samurai almost decide to say, fuck you and leave. Yeah. And I don't know, what would you have done? Would you have left? (laughs) I probably would have left right then and there because that was the most repulsive thing, I guess, that came out of the film. Like, when I realized what that meant, like, first they were like, why do you have all this shit? Oh, I know. And then he, like, he realizes, you know, he because he was excited at first about, you know, finding all this shit, mm-hmm. but they're just like, you know where they got it from, right? They got it from killing samurai. Yep. And he was like, he got really pissed right. about it. And I don't blame him because... Well, the, it's so shit. I mean, that's not... It is <laughs> shitty. shitty. Because, it's shitty, but it's, it's so much more than just shitty it's like it's repulsive it's you have the audacity to go find salmon and i think it summarizes everything about the villagers the start of the movie and maybe even at the end kind of really well is it's when you need us the samurai you come and you find us and you beg and plead and 
give us, you know, what little you have. Even though later, Kikuchio is right. They've been hoarding sake and all kinds of fancy food and shit, and they throw a little party the night before the final battle. <laughs> and they even go, the I samurai even goes as far as to say, is they're like, I guess Kikuchio was right. Like, they are hoarding yeah. this shit. They make us believe or made us believe that they were so poor Mm -hmm. that they didn't have anything right when in reality they probably had like you know they clearly had plenty yeah and they even ask where'd you get this and they're just like and it's like did you steal that too like you're are you no better than like the bandits and that's i mean that's the question isn't it like by the end of this movie the the villagers yeah they win but when you look at everything they were hoarding food they killed all these samurai in the past they hoarded all their shit and i think it's even down to when shino the love interest snubs the young samurai guy who was like like it's not like he raped her it's not like he took advantage of her even no like, he didn't like, want to do very this naive if anything like, yeah but i mean there's a scene flaw. where she gets mad at him yeah like she goes and she's trying to get it on and he, he she goes yeah. to kiss him and he won't and mm-hmm. she goes like act like a samurai damn it and like it's really like what the fuck is wrong with you like yeah. why are you doing and he kind of looks and then of course you know we're trying to guilt trip by the bell. him about being you know a samurai like oh i wish i was a samurai like right. you and and it's just, but it boils out to be like, I don't know. I mean, I guess like, I don't know, maybe I'm interpreting it differently. Because the way I look at him is he loves her. And yes. he, he does, he, you know, has intercourse with her. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's not him being like, yeah, I'm the man. I got, I got it on. I got my dick wet. I don't need to pay <laughs> attention to this girl no more. It's he goes to talk to her. I mean, you can very clearly see like he feels bad that he did what he did. Mm-hmm you know, outside of marriage and all that in the course of the movie. But like, he goes to talk to her about it, to like confront her about this. Who knows? Maybe he's like, come with me. Maybe he's like, let's try to make this work. Like, I love you, whatever. Yeah. She just snubs him. Like she takes Mm -hmm. one look at him in like horror and then just runs off to keep farming. And it's almost like when you, I guess maybe to me, when you add that in with the way the villagers act about everything else in this movie, that's just another action of, I did this selfish thing for me. I, and, and it's such a, interesting power play and i don't just mean because like a woman arguably taking advantage of this man but like a class thing is in this society it's they even go so far as to constantly tell you like a samurai guy with a farmer girl like that's not a thing and this girl does it and it does it to him and it's like maybe she didn't take advantage of maybe in that moment she did love him but at the end of the day you know Kanbei says it right is like they lost not only did they lose four of their compatriots but like his student had his heart broken and like you know this villagers kind of just took stuff from the samurai yeah the samurai got very little they got food and a place to stay while they did it and it's sort of like at the end it turned out that they had the villagers had shit they could have given them but they didn't and you wind up with sort of a question of were the villagers, like you said, any better than the bandits? The bandits are pretty shit. Not gonna lie. I mean, they're, you know, they got concubines who would rather die than live anymore um, with the bandits. But it's like wolves in sheep's clothing almost, you know? And, you know, Kikuchio kind of foreshadows that. He's like, farmers are garbage. Da, 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 da. You know, they'll take everything and they hide stuff. And everyone's like, they're just stupid farmers. <laughs> like, what? 
Oh, and it's he's right because he was a farmer and he lived that life. Yeah. But I mean, this movie, it's just there's but for some so reason much. being a samurai, you have more integrity than that. And you know, that's another good point because the samurai ended up being you know the good guys. So right. Everything that they were supposed to be that the villagers accused them of, they weren't. Right. They didn't rape all the women. Yep. They didn't steal anything. But you do see other samurai who do do that when they're looking around. Yes. The rich and well-to-do samurai are all like, fuck you guys, I don't need to help you. Yeah. You know? I mean, you do see what they're talking about. And maybe that's where it's highlighting that an individual person is different, you know? Like, it's good to work for the group, but at the same time, you can't judge everybody based on the actions of a few. I think when it comes down to it, though, I got a qu- one question I kind of have for you is, by the end of this movie... If you were one of the samurai, you're one of the seven who survives. So you're one of the three guys left. Would you regret helping these villagers? Yes, I think I would. Why? Like what makes you what after after watching everything after you you put yourself in the shoes of Kambe, you led this thing. I think the regret would come from because it's like someone who tells you. It's like someone lying to you about themselves, you know, like you're right. getting catfished, basically. So That's a good way, to, guess, modern way to put it. <laughs> in our modern day world. So you go on to like Tinder or something and someone says, oh, like, you know, I'm I'm not well to do. Like I work really, I'm a hardworking person. You know, I do my best every I day. I swear to God, I'm six feet tall. Yeah, I swear yeah. to God, I'm six <laughs> feet tall. And you go and meet them, and you realize they're not six feet tall. They're, they're actually pretty narcissistic. Yeah, they're a bougie and, five five person that lives. Yeah, in the and they go around <laughs> driving like a Range Rover or some right, shit. Right. So, I feel like that's how I view these like villagers. Like if I was the samurai at the end, that's right. how I would feel. I would feel like I just got catfished right. by these villagers who were saying we were poor when reality they weren't. They were probably fine. Right. Um, and that they needed help when they just sacrificed a lot of my men right. when it could have been avoided. Like mm-hmm. they took a lot of preemptive measures in order right. to make sure, you know, that they didn't have too many casualties. Obviously, they knew there was a chance that somebody would die or maybe, you know, more than one person would die. But there were things that they, at least the villagers did that caused unnecessary harm to people. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Um, People, I agree with what you're saying. I think, I don't know if I would regret helping them because at the end of the day, it does come off as you have to pick between the lesser of two evils, you know, when you go into it. But then again, you had the choice of not helping them just like every other samurai. And that doesn't make you any less. But, hey. Star Trek quote right here. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to butcher it, but to paraphrase okay. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise, it's possible to do nothing and still lose. That's not a mistake. That's just life. Or it's not not fair. It's just life. And I think that this summarizes it. They could have said no. And that would have made them selfish and shitty and dishonorable and like, you know, immediately, regardless of who the villagers are, because you don't know. I think by the end of it, I wouldn't regret helping the villagers, but I would definitely have a new look on everything, because 
are you could argue that maybe just by a hair the villagers are slightly better than the bandits because at the end of the day they're not out hunting and killing people and that's what i was thinking of. like they almost came out worse than like the samurai themselves and you gotta wonder i mean now they do know how to hunt and kill people you know like now they are organized so they, they won't need these samurai to right. fend for themselves and you gotta wonder is that good or is that bad and will they continue to kill samurais right. and take their stuff like how long until they become the bandits you know these poor farmers well what if they decide we want more and oh yeah we are like sort of organized and have these weapons and i mean you know you start reaching at that point but it, it presents an interesting thought because it's like because they didn't seem grateful at the yeah. end they just seemed exactly. glad to be alive by the end they all but ignore because the you know samurai. at the end when you have the hero that saves the town or mm-hmm. whatever they always come up to that person and they're like yay so and so did this for us it's like the end of willow and you don't get that it's just them you know congratulating themselves basically and And that's a great point without these samurai you'd be dead yeah they just sit there and they're like we did a good job hooray hooray (laughs) go us and they're farming but they're and it does it highlights it so well is they're not like disorganized farmers anymore they're moving in one singular motion they're getting their stuff planted and they're doing it to the rhythm and it's you have this almost militaristic farming going on and that clearly wasn't the case before and you gotta again wonder you know i mean is this a commentary on like japanese militarism in world war ii or something i don't know but you do have this they were disorganized farmers, and now they are most certainly not. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, what does that mean for the area? What does it mean for these people? What does it mean for people around them? So this movie brings up so many questions, but one question I have for you, Amber, is out of 10, what are you giving it? I would give it probably an 8 out of 10. So a solid B. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got to give it, honestly, like a 9.7 or 10, okay. honestly. Like, this movie is just... it. It If anything, I know it's long, and it is tough. It's not a movie I can just watch, because it's three and a half hours yes. long. It's it's a long movie. It's, it's a bit of a slog at some times. But the fact is, it's done so fucking well. <laughs> it's like, everything you watch is something you should see. It does something. It's not... Here's a little gag. It's like, oh, well, that gag we did tells you about that character. It's not just that character's the funny one, so he does it. It's like, there's just so much packed into this that it needs to be three and a half hours long. Like, this is a movie where I look at it and I'm like, this, good. (laughs) Anything less than this, except for maybe taking out that 15-minute intermission, but even that helps set the stage for the next scene. It's just done so masterfully well, and it's like... It needs to be that long, and there are not many movies that do that. Um, you know, I, I I almost hate. It makes me really hate the Oscars a little bit. Is this movie was nominated for two Oscars in I guess you know, 1955, a year after it came out or whatever, and it just makes me so angry um, <laughs> that we don't get a foreign film winning an Oscar until Parasite in the last Oscar. That's crazy. Happened. So like this movie did not win. Oh, yeah. Which it should have, honestly. Like, even if I feel like it is an 8 out of 10, mm-hmm. like, I definitely think in 
terms of other films probably during that time it just blows it out of the water it sets the standards like I think I was reading that it's set because this was um, Japan's like biggest blockbuster movie during that time and probably like for you know all movies at this point um, maybe like yeah actually yeah for Japan this is probably their biggest film of all time and it set the standard for other movies, not even like within the country. So like Magnificent Seven in America. No, I agree. I mean, it's so, it has such an impact. It's almost insulting that it didn't win. Um, it was nominated for two Oscars. Uh, Best Art Direction and Set Decoration for a Black and White Movie uh, by Takashi Matsuyama. And Best Costume Design for a Black and White Movie, Kohei Izaki. Uh, Koizaki loses to the solid gold Cadillac in costume design. And to think that the director probably constructed everything in that film. Well, it definitely to, was stuff like, that was on sets. Okay. Uh, it ended up losing the art direction and whatnot to somebody up there likes me. Okay. Um, you know, but it was nominated. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest, I haven't seen solid gold Cadillac and I haven't seen somebody up there likes me i haven't actually ever heard of those, either of those movies i know which is weird but i mean and it know, makes me think like gonna say that about if it us. were good yeah. like it would have been up there with orson wells like well and that's the you know that's a funny thing is they're probably <laughs> gonna say i mean they're gonna say the same about movies you know in 50s or jeez oh, arguably like 40 plus almost 70 mm-hmm. years or whatever like they're now, gonna yeah. say why was la la land what was la la land yeah like what they're gonna be like? What was and why La-La did they Land, win you know? against Moonlight? You know they didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's Take the that joke, out. right? Take they that didn't. Out. <laughs> um, but see, at the same time, Moonlight. Where's Moonlight? You know, I hear more today about La La Land than I do Moonlight. That's true. I arguably haven't seen either of them, but I mean, at the very least, from like a distance level, I hear more about at least the soundtrack of La La Land than I do anything about. Moonlight. Yeah. Yet Moonlight's the one that won. Yes. Doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it didn't deserve it. It kind of highlights an interesting thing. Right? Like, I've never heard of Somebody Up There Likes Me, but I've watched Seven Samurai multiple times. And that's a movie I know people know. Like, there, I mean, so many people know. And it's so influential. Like, maybe Somebody Up There Likes Me had an influence like that, and I just don't know it. I mean, Citizen Kane was like that. I didn't know how much was inspired by that movie. But I know there are episodes of kids' TV shows constantly that are inspired by this film. Bugs Life is an entire movie for children inspired <laughs> by this film. It has a lot of impact on our society. I mean, this goes into what you said about foreign films. Exactly. They don't get the recognition. They don't. And this was and even now, just now, we're starting to, like, when we went to AMC, and they were just like, oh, all of these foreign films that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, you should take a look, or you should go and see them. And I was like, some of these actually look very good. Yeah. Like, there was one that was in Spanish, and I was like, oh. Yeah. There was like, the other, the like Italian the movie, too. Or no, that was yeah, the, the it was Italian, an Italian movie, yeah. film called The Traitor, and I was like, that actually looks pretty good. It looked very good. Yeah. I but mean, you that, just don't... Yeah. It's not like in other countries where they're like, oh, American films. We'll go and see that. Right. And they just have, you know, subtitles. Here, it's like, no, we strictly only... Right. 
watch American films. And I mean, this isn't this was the Oscars of 1957. So this mm-hmm. movie came out in the U.S. in 56, I believe. Okay. So it took a couple of years before it got over here. Yeah. But which a lot of movies back then did when they were made somewhere else. It took a lot of time to get them over into America, probably because people didn't want to watch a movie from Japan or something. But you know, it's just one of those things where this is in 1957 and in 2019 is the first foreign film to win an Oscar. Kind of like the question of if the villages are any better than the bandits. <laughs> are the Oscars worth it? In this podcaster's opinion, they're not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as far as your rating for this movie goes, you know, after watching this and having watched Ran, it's been a while, so I'm not going to hold you to trying to remember what you gave Ran, but... If you had to rate them between the two, what were the, what would be the numbers you throw out for each of these movies? So, for Ran and for... Yeah, so like you gave this one like an 8.2, right? An 8. An 8? Okay. Yeah. So and like I you think Ran was at least like a 9 or a 10. Okay. So you and I are kind of flip-flopped. Yes. Okay. Yeah, see, I, I, I appreciate... The cinematography of Ran, I think, more than this movie. Because and the battle you're right. scene Ran was so great. I mean, I'm sorry. It beats out Seven Samurai. Maybe it's because they didn't have one big battle like mm-hmm. they did in... But they did. In Ran. <laughs> they, <laughs> they had did, a real big battle. It was, like, I don't know. It's just that scene where, you know, all these soldiers are storming this kingdom... Or this, like, big castle. Like, that really left. Well, that movie was also a decade of production. Like That's true. You know. And like, you can tell. You, it like, pays <laughs> off. No, I mean, Ran, I think it, it sounds like it worked for you. But it definitely left an impression yeah. on me. Like, that's the one thing I think of when I think of Ran. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, if I think of Ran, there's so many things. I mean, that scene where they're burning the castle to the ground mm-hmm. and he comes out like a ghost. And even in the beginning yeah. when he's, like, trying to teach his son something about... You know, having a kingdom. Yeah. And having even a the boar hunt is, scene in the very the opening of the movie is a masterfully shot sequence yes. where they're chasing the pig around. I mean, Ran is a great movie to me cinematically because it's just like, or in its cinematography because it's just like it's so beautiful, it's so well shot, and they did so much effort. It's all filmed in like a place that it's supposed to be, not a set. And in this movie, you clearly see, like, yeah, they are outside. They have a little village somewhere, but there are clearly set pieces here. Like, we are on a soundstage, perhaps, you know, when we're running around on roofs or something. But there's just, it's just that this movie, to me, it's three and a half hours long, and every second of it, even, arguably, even the intermission, is used. You know, there's nothing that's just... I can run to the bathroom. I can go get a beer. The minute you do, the minute you miss something. And you miss part of this movie. And I... Yeah, and I could definitely yeah. see it being played at, like, Music Box or even where... Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I would love to go see it. I would go see it. to go see, box. like, yeah. the concerts with the orchestra. Mm. Oh, like, that would be I could neat, totally... Yeah. Like, yeah, I can totally imagine having it there. And everybody takes their intermission and they talk about it. Right. No, that's I would what love. That time is spent I'd love to see this movie in theaters. Yeah, no. Um, so, how you know, regardless of your rating, though, would you suggest people watch this movie? In oh its yeah. Entirety? yeah, I would definitely suggest watching this movie. I think without a doubt, if you get the opportunity in your life to watch this movie, watch it. I mean, it's it's such a piece of cinema that, at the very least, 
inspired maybe even some of your childhood favorite movies. It may have inspired... I mean, and that doesn't just mean people who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, like, this this impacted a lot. I mean, Magnificent Seven was a movie that happened twice, and, you know, people saw that. And it just... There's so many things that this had such a deep impact on movies everywhere in the world that it it's still present today. And I'm today. sure there are military movies, too, that have the same, like a very similar oh, yeah. plot. Well, I just think, like, you take this movie, which came out in 1954, mm-hmm. you take The Mandalorian that came out this last year, the television yeah. series, there's an entire episode that is this movie. Yeah, basically, where yep. he's saving a town. Yep, from, where they save the little yeah. village from the leftover bandits that yeah. have imperial shit. Like, it has such a resonance, mm-hmm. I think. And it's such a perfect movie in my mind. There's so little that... I don't know if I could think of anything that's wrong with it. It could be shorter, I guess. But at the same time, they use that time. And I think it's such a great film. So with all of that being said as usual, Amber, what do we have in store for next week? So next week, we're going to be doing another animated film, Japanese animated film. We are just living in Japan, aren't yes, we? Yes, we are living in Japan. <laughs> they have such a, such great films. Well, it's how we're escaping the it's quarantine. It's really hard not to be lulled to their sweet storylines. sweet siren songs <laughs> the of su- Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we'll be covering Perfect Blue, uh, which came out in 1997. Oh, shoot. And this was made by the same people who did Paprika, right? Yes. Okay. So this so guy is... director, uh, Satoshi Khan. Okay. So this guy is, is going to be another one of those episodes where it's Amber's turn to take the reins and, and run the show. So look forward to Perfect Blue next week. But in the meantime, as always, I am your host, Thomas. I'm Amber. And we'll see you guys next week with Perfect Blue.